Come on. Buffalo Bills fans, what's going on? I am Dave Myers with my guy, Akeem Richens. This is Saturday Night Billsology. We have a ton to talk about. As always, we're here every week, Saturday, every Saturday night at 9 p.m. on the Bills and Buffalo Network. That's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So, Akeem, how you feeling, man? Hey, Rich Akeem Richens. This is Bills and Buffalo. We are Billsology. Uh, DM3, Dave Myers. David, I'm doing well this evening. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, Akeem. A rich. I'm doing good. We got a packed show. We got a ton of stuff to talk about. Um, obviously, everybody wants to talk about the red and blue scrimmage that happened last night. Um, a ton of stuff. Uh, we got a ton of takeaways from that. We're going to talk about Spencer Brown, Tredavious White. We want to talk about Ed Oliver. We're going to talk about Gabe Davis, Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, James Cook. So we got a packed show. So what I need everybody to do that's in the chat right now, whatever, wherever you're watching, Facebook, smash the like, YouTube, smash the, look, the like and subscribe, Twitter, I guess you can repost. I think that's what it's called now. It's not retweet anymore. It's repost. Repost, so yeah. If you want to do that, like it, do whatever you want to do, drop some comments because we are here for um, at least an hour. It might be a long show. I know there's a ton of stuff that Akeem wants to touch on. There's a ton of stuff that I want to touch on. So first and foremost, we have to talk about the red and blue scrimmage and we have to talk about Josh Allen in the blue helmet. So... Akeem. So that that's our guy Lance jumping the gun on the video, but that's okay because it was a good, it was a cool video. So, I mean. What's what's your what's your initial thoughts on this? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Is it is it clean? Does it drip for you? Like what 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 do you think? I really really like the blue helmets. It, it gives me a, a pop. It gives a flare. And I, I I enjoyed the red helmets, the red tees. But I I really I thoroughly enjoy the blue helmets, man. I I I, I like the touch, especially with all the. The new, the, all the teams that's coming out and unveiling their new jerseys and new uniforms. It was, it was something nice to see. Of course, Josh Allen did last year with the hel uh, red helmets, and then he brings it back out this year with the blue. I know a lot of people are iffy on the blue, but me personally, I'm a fan, man. I, I, I really love these blue helmets. It, it's, it's super intriguing that you said last year with the red and this year with the blue because the Bills. I don't know if this is just some undertone for like a marketing thing but hear me out follow me down this path so last year i didn't like the design of the the red helmet that josh wore last year but i think he, he kind of had it last minute it was made for him last minute anyways if they bring back the old school red helmet that's that's unique and, and i think everybody's waiting for that but the name of the scrimmage is the red and blue scrimmage so why can't one team wear red helmets and the other team wear those blue helmets just for the scrimmage and i know it costs money, but the Pagulas have money to do all this stuff. I think you bring back the actual red helmets. If the Bills are never going to give them to us in a, in a game during the season, at least let's have the fans have them. And I might just be like this marketing like guru. I don't even know. Like Maybe Josh Allen's the marketing guru. I don't know because you, you could tell he took that helmet off pretty quick. And probably it's gonna you're, you're going to see that thing sitting somewhere on a, on a statue or a silhouette or something, and things are going to be worth a ton of money. But 
I'm just saying, like, it's clean. I, I like the blue. Um, I do like the red, but if I had to pick, I really like the blue. It was clean. Like whoever did that, it it was it was nice. It was clean. So um, it's yeah. nice to see that Josh likes to, you know, two years in a row, he likes to give the fans what they want. They, they've been clamoring for alternate helmets, alternate uniforms, all this stuff. So, all right. So some takeaways. Um, our guy Peter was actually at the red and blue with our guy Lance, with our guy Izzy, with our guy Shoop, and our guy Sauscott. So we had five guys representing the brand at the red and blue scrimmage. And Peter was kind enough to give me some of his observations that he actually saw happening um, in real time. Um, and I'm going to run through these and then we'll, we'll touch on all of them. So first, Dane Jackson and Kyrie Elam were splitting reps at CB2 with the ones. So I think they got they 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 both got ample time running with the ones. What's your what's your brief takeaways of both guys? You know, it's not Christian Benford, it was Dane Jackson. Because of your comments last week about Dane Jackson, there might be some some backing to your thought process your thought process on that. So what's your immediate takeaway on that? Uh it's only so much snaps to go around. You mentioned Christian Benford and I don't think Christian Benford has done anything horrendous or has got beat terribly in coverage to lose the battle or not get as much reps. It's just more about Kair Elam being that first round pick and it's time to, to, to start to maximize that position to see what kind of value and what kind of worth we have out our first round cornerback and then and because he's a first round cornerback, it's just that's that's just the way the word the world works, right? First round cornerback, fifth round cornerback, the first round guy is going to get his opportunities or should get his opportunities first. And then you have Dane Jackson, who's been that that wildly veteran. Everybody talks about Dane Jackson and wanting to upgrade that cornerback two position, but just like when Levi Wallace was holding the fort for the cornerback two for the Buffalo Bills. Dane Jackson has done a, a very good job holding down that fort for the Buffalo Bills. Is his ceiling high uh, or as high as a Kair Elam? Probably not. Does he have the athleticism as Kair Elam in the 4-2 speed? Probably not. But he holds his own at the cornerback position and because he's he has that dog in him and has that aggressiveness in him and is willing to fight for every inch even in run defense uh you have to play the two-man game in terms of dane jackson and kair elam and i like the battle thus far iron sharpens iron and it adds depth to that cornerback room so i like what i'm seeing from the cornerback position thus far i agree with you i i when you brought up dane jackson last week it you were pretty poignant about saying look the mcdermott actually you know he really likes this guy they brought him back not just to be a depth piece but he's brought back on a contract to compete you know yes he can do other things other than play cb2 but he's not just going to roll over either right he's going to come and he's going to every rep and snap that he gets with the ones he's going to try to show that he can be a starter and we saw last year he started games that were meaningful and you know if you like dane jackson or not or whether or not however you feel about how he played um he's here to compete and it's a, it's a three guy race right now between him Benford and Kyrie Elam so it's it should be really interesting to see what happens in preseason all right so peter also went into detail about the offensive line he said overall it was the the first team had a really good 
um, showing at the red and blue. And that is showcased by Osiris Torrance again, starting at right guard. So we see a theme here with Torrance, right? It's mm -hmm. been a few practices in a row. And now, you know, at the red and blue scrimmage, he's starting at right guard. So what's, what's your takeaways on that? Is that something that's going to happen or are they just trying to get him as many reps as possible? Already knowing what they have with Ryan Bates. I, I think that it's it's definitely something that is that has a possibility of happening. What what did the Buffalo do Buffalo Bills do to upgrade the offensive line position? Who was the main guy, the main get on the offensive line? The main get on the offensive line, besides Connor McGovern, is Osiris Torrance. And he's a big, massive guy. 6'5", 346 pounds. Of course, he's going to have to do some things to, to keep that weight in order. He's a heavy guy, massive guy. But because of that, because of he, he's a mountain of a man, I think you should just throw him out there one time. Uh, defenders are going to have trouble with his body mass and weight. Uh to begin with so let alone to, to 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 add technique and moves to get by this massive being i think it's it's good that osiris torrance is getting this getting these reps first and i know that a lot of people have been talking about sean mcdermott and brandon brandon bean in that era not starting rookies and not playing rookies well guess what dalton kincaid is getting a lot of snaps and he's looking like he may be a focal point in the offense as a rookie for the Buffalo Bills. And now we have Osiris Torrance, the 6'5", 350-pound uh, guard that's taking significant snaps in practice as well. And he looks like he can be a, a, a solid piece, uh, early, uh, early rotational piece at worst early for the Buffalo Bills if he isn't the star. I think, too, we talk about the history of McDermott not playing rookies unless he has to, like Tredavious White had to, Deion Dawkins, he had to, um, Tremaine Edmonds, he had to, um, Ed Oliver, he had to. Well, maybe he has to play Osiris Torrance at right guard because that's the best option to protect his franchise, $248 million franchise quarterback. So just, you know, and we're going to talk about Spencer Brown. He is part of the docket today. He's on the docket. So we didn't leave him out on, on purpose. We're going to get to him. And we're we're going to spend some time talking about him for sure. Um, Peter also went in to add that there was a big rotation at defensive end, Shaq Lawson getting some run with the ones, but I feel like that's just getting him his, his snaps with a better supporting cast on the defensive line. I think we've seen this all throughout, uh, training camp. And then yesterday at the red and blue scrimmage, I think that they're trying to see what each of these guys does, um, with the talent that they have lined up next to them. We've seen Leonard Floyd out there with Gregory Rousseau. We've seen different combinations of AJ Epinesa um, and Shaq Lawson, AJ Epinesa and Leonard Floyd, Leonard Floyd, and you name it. So I think that they're just really trying to figure out, you know, get these guys snaps, get them, uh, you know, some game speed with the defensive line mates that, that they're going to be playing with and see what they have. I think they know, I think we all know what we get in Shaq Lawson, right? We get it. We get an above average run defender and we get a guy that's going to get you a few sacks and some pressures throughout the season. I think we know that he's going to be a key depth depth player. Um, unless I'm wrong. I mean, that's, we brought him back last year on the one-year deal. We brought him back again this year on the one-year deal. So it's not like he's doing anything to warrant, you know, a huge extension or anything like that. I think we know what he is. What What's your takeaway on, on the defensive line, Shaq Lawson and all these guys getting the, the snaps with the ones. 
Well, I think you're absolutely right about Shaq Lawson. Where we we know what Shaq Lawson is by now. He's been in the league for some time. I think uh, we all can say that his ceiling, he's plateaued. He's reached his mark, and he is that above average run defender that can possibly give you some spot starts, but not a guy that you will want starting for a long period of time. He's one of the one of the guys that's a solid rotational piece. Uh, it, it's time for the younger guys to step up. That's what I want to see. Greg Russo, eight sacks last year. He he hurt his ankle. Otherwise, in my opinion, he probably would have had double-digit sacks. Uh, he's entering year three. He's another long, massive guy that has the athleticism and versatility to, to rush the passer from the outside and inside. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Gregory Rousseau and, and his, his year three uh, possible breakout, along with uh, Boogie Basham or AJ Epinesa. We need one of those two guys to step up and 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 take a leap in their progression as well. And I know AJ Epinesa has been showing some flashes, getting to the passer, batting down some balls, showing down, showing some aggressiveness uh from his defensive end spot. Uh hopefully it would translate over to the regular season and he can have a better year going into a contract year himself. AJ Epinesa had about six and a half sacks last season. So I'm hoping he can be the guy to to elevate the depth amongst the defensive linemen uh, the Buffalo Bills have, or DEs. Roy Collins, put, that was, I'm going to put this back up there. That was, that was a great question because I believe that Shane Ray was brought in specifically. I, I don't know if he makes the 53 unless something crazy happens and he just blows up preseason, but I believe he was brought in to push, you know, the guys like AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham, um, Shaq Lawson. I think that's, you know, that's one thing about Brandon Bean that I, I thoroughly think goes, I don't want to say unnoticed, but isn't talked about enough is that the caliber of the depth that he brings to camp. Yes. He's always going to add just camp bodies, right? You have to have 90 guys in camp, right? But he's bringing in quality guys to push the starters so that they can't, you know, get, I don't want to say get lazy, but they can't get lackadaisical. They can't just get sloppy. They have to bring their a game and the pressure is on for, you know, Boogie Basham and, and AJ Epinesa. The pressure is on for these guys, Tim settle. We, he's not an, an edge rusher, mm -hmm. but that's okay. The that's okay. The, the pressure's on for these guys, you know, like mm -hmm. Brandon beans brought in a wealth on that defensive line because I believe, and we'll talk about Sean McDermott, a little later on in the show, but I think that Sean McDermott wants to get after the quarterback and that's not just with the edge rushers. That's with everybody on the defensive line needs to be able to get after the quarterback. And I think just bringing in Puna Ford and, you know, bringing back Jordan Phillips and stuff like that. I, I think that it's going to be really, really interesting to see how many defensive linemen, not just edge rushers, but how many defensive linemen they actually keep on the active 53 um, because that's going to show their hand as to what, they want to do that. They want to create pressure or do they want to bend, but don't break. I feel like we're going to get away from this bend, but don't break stuff. I have a really good feeling about that. So and, all right, let's and, go ahead. And, and, uh, I apologize. One more point, one more point to make before, before we move on. And you're absolutely right. We, we, we need our defensive line 
to be the best versions of themselves. I don't know what happened with Jordan Phillips and the Arizona Cardinals. He signed that big contract. He was released. I don't know what happened. Did uh, Was he struggling in that defense? Uh, was it the injuries? Uh, but we need Jordan Phillips to be the best version of himself. Can he be the best version of himself? Does he still have the capabilities to be that guy? We will see. We need Puna Ford to be the best version of himself. Now, I know last year uh, I looked at some of his PFF grades and it wasn't good, right? But you have to dig deeper and look deeper. What happened to Puna Ford? Seattle, The Seattle Seahawks, they played a different defense. They went to a 3-4 style defense when Puna Ford excels as a 4-3 guy. So now that he's in a 4-3 defense, we need Puna Ford to be the best version of himself. And last but not least, Tim Settle was a guy that was thought of to be a very talented young three technique that was behind uh, a star-studded defensive line in the Washington Redskins commanders or whatever you want to call them. Right. So we need Tim Settle to show flashes of what made him talented to the evaluators in Washington and be the best version of himself. So we need these guys to step up and play like we know how they're capable of playing. All right. I got a ton more notes, but I'm going to cut through some of these because then it's going to take up the entire show. But Peter, Peter, a huge recap. And it's awesome. Like he he went really in detail on some of this stuff. So two two more notes I want to touch on is. Terrell Dotson seems to be getting a lot of reps with the ones it was it was on display again yesterday. He made some good stops in the run, couple couple in the pass game. Um, I feel like Terrell Dotson is going to be the Bills' starting middle linebacker. If that's the case, okay. how do you how do you how do you feel about that? Uh, what? Well, well, we have to. Let's let's look at the the entire body of work in terms of the middle linebacker position. Who's his competition? You have a guy in Bell uh, in Bell Inspector who's a late round draft pick who seems to be falling further and further behind, and then you have another guy in Terrell Bernard who was kind of a head scratcher when we drafted him to begin with. And Ryan Talbot talked about him a little bit. He hasn't fared well in the in the in the uh, blue and, and red scrimmage. So I don't think he had much comp has much competition to deal with. He's the guy that has been on an NFL roster. He's been with the Buffalo Bills. He has the playbook, and now he has the experience to go along. I always felt Ter Terrell Dodson had the physicality and the athleticism to play the middle linebacker position. It was the mental makeup I was concerned about knowing his responsibilities, knowing everybody else's responsibilities, calling plays in the huddle, changing plays pre-snap, and still having the ability to make the play, process the play uh, post-snap. So thus far, he looks as if he's uh, rising to the occasion, and he looks like the middle linebacker for the Buffalo Bills right now. I just, if you look at Balen Specter, it's just like having two Matt Milanos out there. I know we're going to all be talking about Tremaine Edmonds forever because of he was just a, a specimen like the height, you know, the wingspan, the speed, all that stuff. And he's going to be impossible to ever replace. Um, but Dodson's been in the system, like you said, for a few years now, like they have trust in him because he's been here. Right. And I think, you know, when they drafted Bernard last year, I think a lot of us were like, well, he's kind of like Matt Milano. So what do we, is he Matt Milano? Are we just drafting Matt Milano's backup? And then during the season, 
we we re-signed AJ Klein and then we brought him back again this year. So we're like thinking, okay, so maybe that's not the case. Um, Cause Peter did also note that Dorian Williams is taking snaps with the twos um, at middle linebacker, which is something I guess we can keep an eye on to see how he progresses through there. Um, but I just, there has to be, there has to be a plan for just the huge amount of not just snaps reps, but the play of Tremaine Edmonds. There has to be a reason why you got like a, a, a Taylor rap playing linebacker yesterday in the red and blue scrimmage while Hyde and Poyer are on the field. So you got to think that they're trying to figure out this hybrid middle linebacker, big nickel, whatever you want to call it scheme um, that McDermott is, is cooking up. So can we, can we touch on that a little bit? I know yeah. Lance was talking about that, uh, that Taylor rap. Well, uh, I want to get your thoughts on that. I think that, it's it's fascinating to see Taylor uh, Taylor Rapp at the linebacker position. To me, it's it's all it's a positive sign. It's a positive sign that Sean McDermott gets it. He understands that. Okay, how can I get my football players on defense to play their best brand of football? They have to maximize their strengths. We have to put these guys in a position to do what they do best. And the scouting report on Taylor Rapp is he's an excellent box safety. He's an excellent run defender, and he struggles in coverage. So guess what? If he's an excellent box safety, he's a good run defender, he's good in the, in the box, I want him in the box to make plays as a run defender. I'm going to put him in a position to maximize his plays, uh, maximize his potential and get to the football, and I'm going to mask his weaknesses. And that's something that uh, I think it's, it's, it's refreshing to see from Sean McDermott, understanding that, hey, uh, I may do things like this, but I understand the players I have, and if I have to make some tweaks, I will do so. I agree too. And uh, Taylor Rapp has a, has one of the, the best on the bills defense in missed tackle rates. So that's one thing like adding that to your run defense. And like you said, there we could, this is like an onion. We can peel this back so far because you got to think that Sean McDermott now, and I don't want to spoil the segment talking about Sean McDermott, but you got to think that, they had long conversations after they realized that Tremaine Edmonds was gone, right? I think after the season ended, they realized that he was going to just break the bank and get generational wealth somewhere that they weren't going to be able to match because they had all this other money that was already take. It was already spoken for, right? They didn't have the salary cap to it, even throw them an offer. Um, but you got to think that Sean McDermott is, is thinking about how can I use – what is on the roster, even if it's three guys to maximize what we're missing from Tremaine Edmonds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If it's, if it's yeah. this guy, this guy, and this guy in this setting, or if it's this guy, and this guy in this scheme. So it's going to be really interesting to see Sean McDermott's defense on full display when that happens. So and, I'm sorry. And I, I'm sorry with the back and forth. You probably going on with certain no, topics. Just longer, keep but, going. Just, just yeah, talk, man. just talk. Of, co- of course, man. And, <laughs> Uh, once again, this is Billsology, A. Rich, Akeem Richens, Dave Myers. Uh, if if you have a comment, questions, comments, super chats do get priority. I know you're probably accustomed to seeing me and Dave put comments up, but we're going with a different game plan this time around. Uh, uh, but getting getting back to getting back to 
to Taylor Rapp and, and Sean McDermott uh, uh, maximizing maximizing talents. Excuse me. Uh, I, I, once again, I, I think he's I think he's doing a, a remarkable job. And I know uh, we're going to get into Kair Elam a little bit there, too. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to let you take back over so we can get back to the rest of the show. I apologize. So I want to talk about who I think right now is wide receiver three. You know who I'm talking about? Have I, I have an I have an idea, but I want to hear I want to hear it out your mouth. Um, I think Trent Shurfield is wide receiver three, and I don't think it's really? close. Really? Yeah, I think there's just going to be a battle in camp for the slot position between Deontay Hardy and Khalil Shakir, which is okay. That's that's a fine problem to have. But for the last nine days since camp has started, I'll say eight because I haven't I didn't see anything today. Uh, or yeah, so. I've seen nothing but positive notes, videos, other other players talking about Trent Sherfield and him just making he just makes plays. He just is making plays every day. And I think that he's actually pushing Gabe Davis. I'm not saying for wide receiver two. I'm just saying pushing Gabe Davis's mentality and play and all that stuff. And I think it's a nice problem for the Bills to have because Justin Shorter had a really good red and blue scrimmage yesterday from all accounts that I've seen. Um, and he's someone that we're not talking about. He's that big body guy, that red zone guy, that contested catch go up and get guy that we wanted to have in Gabe Davis. So this, so when we do, when we do our show on the wide receiver roster and how many are going to make the 53, it is going to be a four hour show because we can talk for hours on each one of these guys. Um, and I'll say it again. This is probably the best arsenal of skill position players that Josh Allen has had as a member of the Buffalo Bills. Would you agree with that? I I, I would agree. I would I would definitely agree. And and we have to take account into uh, Trent Shurfield and and all the receivers on the roster, right? Uh, Deontay Hardy is. He looks as if he's taking uh, control of that punt return that punt return role. Uh, for the Buffalo Bills on special teams. So if he's taking that, you you would want um, a lot of flexibility or more flexibility at the slot receiver position. And if, if Khalil Shakir is struggling, uh, Trent Sherfield can indeed provide that. And I think at 6'1", 205 pounds, he is a bigger slot than the Buffalo Bills are used to in the years past. And I think he adds a dimension that once again the buffalo bills didn't have in years past from the slot position and that's the ability to to be aggressive and be uh, a great run blocker i think uh, a, a slot receiver being a great run blocker can open up so many different things for james cook in the buffalo bills running game and i think that's a dimension that the buffalo bills have now that they didn't have in the past so i really like what trent shorefield is doing and uh he's definitely seizing the moment in in the light of Khalil Shakir struggles. All right, that's going to wrap it up for our our breakdown of the red and blue scrimmage. It was again, I'm I'm one of these guys that I'll do this every now and then. Um it's a very humbling experience to see five of our guys out there that before they were members of Built in Buffalo, they, they didn't they might not have ever met, you know, they they were able to go out there, hang out. It looks like they had a great time. Um you know, obviously drop some content, send some pictures and all that stuff. So I'm glad that they were able to do that. So um, again, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put this up there because yeah, those are clean. So, mm -hmm. all right. Oh, yeah. 
Fine. Let's move on. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show. So everyone has an opinion on this player, I think. And 90% probably are on one side of the fence. Um, but I want to get some in-depth in analysis, and I want to talk about this guy for a little bit. So Spencer Brown, right? I think that we've all been extremely hard on Spencer Brown. Um, last year, our guy Izzy was a defender of Spencer Brown because he did come off of having back surgery, and that's something as an offensive lineman that's not an easy thing to recover from on top of the fact that we all know transitioning from college to the NFL as an offensive lineman doesn't take one season, two seasons. Sometimes it takes up to three seasons. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why we all kind of felt positive about this is year three about what Spencer Brown could be. He's a specimen, right? Mm -hmm. Brandon Bean draft night talked about how much of, of a freak that this guy is and how much of an athlete he is, because we all know the bills front office in, in Sean McDermott, they like athletes, no matter what position it is, they like versatility. They like, you know, raw talent. So he got injured on Thursday, left practice, was seen hunched over, looked extremely uncomfortable. And I think the majority of Bill's fans, including myself said, here we go again. Um, you know, Spencer Brown can't stay healthy back injury again, coming off of back surgery. So it was nice to see him last night um, participating fully padded, you know, look like he was, he was <laughs> look like he was good to go last night. Um, so let's, let's take it. Let's take this from a different approach. Akeem. Yeah. We we've talked for years about the bills toying with positions, right? We talked yeah. about it with CB2 for, I don't know, mm -hmm how many episodes we did talking about CB2 and the bills were playing with bringing in Levi Wallace and Josh Norman and all these other guys. Right. Mm -hmm. So how serious of a look do you think? Because I could tell you right now, there's nobody else on if, if Spencer Brown is starting at right tackle and practice every day, there is obviously nobody else on this roster that is capable of being a starting right tackle on the bills. Mm -hmm. It's not Questenberry, um, <laughs> not Brandon shell. I don't <laughs> think Ryan Bates, you put out there, um, so wh where do the bills go from here? You had one injury scare and we haven't even played against another team yet. They're still just playing padded practice. So where do we go from here? And, and that's the crazy thing because as, as much as we want Spencer Brown to improve and when we see his struggles, we get on him or the fans, uh, they show their dismay. Uh, there is nothing beyond him. <laughs> so it's it, it makes you wonder like Brandon Bean what uh, how are we what's what's the game plan for the offensive line because we have a generational caliber quarterback that we don't want to protect for year two and year three and year six we want him to be with the Buffalo Bills in year 12 and 13 and 14 and we still want him to be able to uh play at at a high level and in order to do so you have to be able to protect him and i'm not sure how the buffalo bills staff is is constructing what's important on their roster to the point where they're they have all their eggs into a spencer brown basket that's a third round pick 
coming from a small school. You know, so it, it, it definitely makes you wonder what they're thinking with the offensive line. It's probably time to start investing capital, investing money, investing dollars in the offensive line because you have a generational quarterback in Josh Allen. But that's just how I feel about it in terms of the overall uh, aspect of the Buffalo Bills offensive line as a whole. I'm not comfortable with Spencer Brown. If I got to call a spade a spade, <laughs> I'm not fully comfortable with Spencer Brown starting. I'm not comfortable with anybody on the Buffalo Bills roster playing right tackle at the moment with the guy we have in Josh Allen playing quarterback. And I'm looking over at the Jets week one and Bryce Huff and Carl Lawson and Jermaine Johnson and another first round pick, Will McDonald. We have to be able to defend these guys. So it's definitely a lot of concerns, but it starts with Brandon Bean. And that may not be a conversation some people want to have. So from now until 9-11, how many times are we going to see Josh Allen's injury? Because it happened against the Jets. It was on Spencer Brown. He got beat. And how many times are we going to see that between now and 9-11? Because, like, this goes deeper than just Spencer Brown. Like, did Brandon Bean overpay for Ryan Bates? Honestly, do you think so? It's possible. It's definitely possible. So we're yeah. overpaying. We're overpaying for a guy that looked good down the stretch in 2021, played decent in the postseason. So they mm -hmm. they matched the offer that the Bears mm -hmm. wanted to give them. So we we're given we we invested money in in Ryan Bates, who on in all accounts is a backup guard in this league. Let's let's it, I'll use your term. Let's call a spade a spade. Ryan Bates is a backup guard unless he's on a team that doesn't have a good offensive line, which maybe that's the Bills. I don't know. But what I'm saying is that you have invested so much time, resources, salary cap in Josh Allen, right? The development of Josh Allen. You gave him the contract that he is owed. Now it's time to look at the five guys in front of him and say, is this the best we can do? And I don't want to hear about – salary cap restraints and well we had to pay for this you know we had to pay for skill position players this year and we had to pay for defensive linemen this year so where's the money going to come from the kansas city chiefs and i and i went i i went on a tangent last year and said this the kansas city chiefs made it work right mm -hmm. they got rid of the guys that they thought weren't good enough and they brought in guys that they thought were good enough and they were they were absolutely tenfold better than on, on the offensive line than they were in 2021. So mm -hmm. it, it can be done. It's just a matter of why are we toying around? And I understand you want to give a guy a chance, right? You drafted this guy. You want to develop him. You want to mold him into what you think he can be just by watching what he was in college. But at some point, the injuries and just the lack of progression, you have to have a, a conversation with with your coaching staff and say, is this guy going to be the guy that's going to be our right tackle in 2023 all season? And I know we're already in August and I know there's not a lot available, but the bills have 10 draft picks and I guarantee Brendan Bean doesn't plan on using all 10 draft picks next in, during the draft next year. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It's, it's just, I'm not, I'm not going to dog Spencer Brown because I think that's the easy way out for everybody is just to, to just jump on and pile on and dogpile this guy and just say he's uh -huh. he's trash and, and all this. But 
I think they need to take a hard look at it and, and see if there's something that can be done to try to figure out what, what is going on. And I know he had a, he had a couple good days this past week in practice where he seemed like he was holding his own against Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau. Um, but it's just going to be interesting to see the next couple weeks are huge for this guy. I mean, he's coming off that injury scare Thursday, so we'll see what happens. So, all right, let's keep it moving again. Subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, please uh, smash the like and share. If you're watching on Facebook and if you're watching on X, please repost or whatever you're supposed to do now um, and drop <laughs> some comments. So that way we can, we can get this fan engagement going. Um, all right. So let's talk about Tredavious white, because I think that I know, well, I should say, I know I have a perspective that um, might not be something everybody is talking about. And I know you specifically wanted to talk about Tredavious white. So I'll let you, I'll let you lead off. Um, talking about Trey. Uh, Trey White, what, what, what is, what? <laughs> what's to come off Trey White? Right early in his career, he's he's one of the he's one of the guys that set the foundation for the Buffalo Bills today. Drafting Trey White, come in uh, as a rookie starter. He should have won NFL Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. They gave it to Marshawn Lattimore, but that's a story for another day. And Tredavious White ended up becoming a perennial pro bowler, becoming a, a first-team all-pro player before ultimately uh, tearing his ACL. So what's to make of Trey White now? Because the Buffalo Bills are in a situation where they're still good enough to win. There's, there, there, there's no... In my opinion, no such thing as a closed window as long as you have a guy like Josh Allen. But you have to be able to maximize your cap space in order to do so, right? So Trey, Trey White right now has three years left in his contract at 28 years old. He has a, a cap hit for the next two seasons of, excuse me, of uh, $10 million and of $4 million, uh, $10 million and $16 million cap hit over the next two seasons. So what are the Buffalo Bills going to do with Trey White if he isn't the same guy? Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on Trey White and, and what you see from him or what you hear from him so far in training camp. And do you think he could return to all pro form or is at 28 years old a, a, a little bit too much to ask for? And we just hope he could come and be sustainable. You know what? I can't believe that Trey is 28 years old. He's going to be 30 yeah. in a couple of years. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like that's that's crazy to me. He's been in the league since 2017 too, which is is just him and Dion both in that 2017 draft. It's just to go back and think about it. It's been that long already. It's, it's just crazy. Um I th I honestly think this is make or break for Tredavious White. I honestly do. I I feel like there's a ton of expectations on him. Um I think now we all know that it takes time to come back from an ACL injury. It's not something you can just take the eight months to a year, come back and play. You know, we saw he missed a year, missed half the season last year. And I don't think he can just come back and it's just everything's there because you have to trust your body's ability to do what you did before. <clears throat> and it may not do what you did before because you're, you've had it surgically repaired. So <clears throat> I, I don't know. I, I honestly think that there's two guys that are pushing for his position, right? And those guys are not going to stop because the goal in the NFL 
is to be the best version of yourself. No, I'm not trying to steal something corny from Sean McDermott. I'm just saying you have Christian Benford. You have Kyir Elam, <clears throat> Dane Jackson to a to an to a lesser degree. So you right. have guys that are willing. <clears throat> we saw at the beginning of last year that came in and played and started the season for the Bills. Um, so I, I honestly think that if it, if he can't turn back into <clears throat> somewhat of the version of Tre'Davious White that we're used to. Mm-hmm. This may be the last year for Tredavious White. Now, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, and from all accounts, including Gabe Davis, he said in an interview that he he said Trey is back. Um, now I know he's gonna support his guy and he's gonna let you know he's gonna throw that smoke out there, but yeah. you know, it, it time will tell. You know, it's is he gonna start out rusty the first few games? Is are the Bills style of defense not going to be conducive conducive to what he does he's his own corner are the bills going to try to play more man is that going to be beneficial for trey or is it going to be more beneficial for benford and kyer elam who are more Mm -hmm. physical corners because is is tradavius white a physical corner Uh, is he a physical corner i i it's tough to say I, i don't think he's soft but that's, I don't yeah, think that's not what I mean. I'm just like it, compared to Kyir Elam, who played in a physical style man defense, mm-hmm. uh, he's just he, that's that's different style. So it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see how the Bills utilize him because we've always talked for five, six years now about him being a system corner. Now he's an athlete that has to produce in the system, but we've always called him a system corner. Have we not? Like the system was perfectly built for, well, he was built perfect for Sean McDermott's system. Well, Leslie Frazier's not here anymore. We don't know what this system is going to be. So is this going to help Tredavious White? Is it going to hinder Tredavious White? That's why I think it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that is, it's just going to have to work itself out on the field, I guess, until we see meaningful games. Does that make sense? It makes, it makes a ton of sense. makes a ton of sense. I'm, I'm hoping, I don't see it, it. it's tough to say. I don't think last year's Trey White obviously wasn't the best Trey White coming back from that ACL in, uh, injury, getting trust in his knee, getting experience and 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 having trust in that knee from a mental aspect. Well, this year I think he's going to have a much better year. I, I, how how much of a better year it remains to be seen. Is he <clears> going to get back to that All Pro level? Once again, remains to be seen. But even if he doesn't, uh, I still think Trey Tre'Davious White can be. Uh, and above average corner in this league. And it remains to be seen what type of defense or what style uh, Sean McDermott is going to lean to more, that press man on that zone cover that he's used to. That's what remains to be seen. But I think Tredavious White uh, definitely is capable uh, of playing both styles. Is he better in one than the other? Yes, but I do think he's capable. And as far as on the physicality aspect, yes, Kyir Elam is the guy you would want on a, uh, a bigger, a bigger receiver, uh, a T. Higgins or uh, a Keenan Allen, and even a Tyreek Hill, because he has that size, speed, and athleticism. But Tre'Davious White can definitely hold his own, and hopefully, we will see uh, a better version of Trey White that we seen last year, and he has that trust in his knee once again. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, in all accounts, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound like you know negative Nancy over here, but I, I do think that he will. He will improve over last year. I just I don't know if we what kind of expectations we can put on him because we know he's still coming back from that that injury and he's still trying to figure some things out. He's, it's mental, right? 
we all know that and we heard that he was in a dark place for a while because that's got to you know it's it, that's your livelihood like and it's taken away from you like in an instant something that you couldn't even control so we'll see what happens i'm i'm hoping that he does i mean we've seen some things in, in from camp saying that he he looks to be you know trending in that direction so we'll see all right we're gonna keep it moving let's talk about ed oliver First, I want to ask you, gun to your head, do you like the Ed Oliver extension? Actually, I do. I do like the Ed Oliver extension. It was it it wasn't expected. You know, I, I was I was under the impression that this might have been Ed Oliver's last year, and the Buffalo Bills probably are going to start looking into three tech defensive tackles in this year's draft. Uh, so when the Buffalo Bills did sign him, I I I, I was surprised, but I, I do like the extension. Uh, Ed Oliver has a ton of ability at 6'1", 285, 287 pounds. He does have that sideline to sideline athleticism. I think injuries hampered him a bit last season and in the seasons past. But once he's healthy, uh, I think he could put everything together and show that he's a, a, a complete defensive tackle despite his size. Because there are other guys that is his size in are successful defensive tackles. And I think Ed Oliver is going to showcase that he's one of those guys over the next uh, four years at a prime age of, of 25 years old. I think it's the, the best football is, is ahead of Ed Oliver. So um, that's, that was my next question. <clears throat> Has, do, do we know what Ed Oliver's ceiling is? Have we seen it already or is there more? I know he's still young. Like you said, he's 25. So mm -hmm. you got to think his best football is still in front of him. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But there was times not just last year, but the year before where he would, he would be just a nuisance up front, right? Constantly in the backfield, constantly making plays in the run game. Um, and, and there was times when he was pressuring the quarterback, he was getting, he was getting sacks. And then there was games when you're like, has anybody seen Ed Oliver? And you see his number 91 on the screen. There he is. He's, he's mm -hmm. playing. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, it's been three games. He's got no pressures. You know, mm -hmm. he's not getting to the quarterback. So, do we know what his ceiling is? Are we going to find out because of the talent pool that the Bills and Brandon Bean has amassed around him? Is that going to help with, you know, if we can get Vaughn Miller for a good stretch of the season? Because in in Ed Oliver's defense last year, we didn't get a full season of Vaughn Miller and Greg Rousseau. Both guys had injuries. Obviously, Vaughn missed half the season. Rousseau was in and out with, with his ankle injury. Um, but you add guys like Puna Ford, I think – one of the most underrated bills is Daquan Jones. You know, you have him. Um, you bring in Leonard Floyd, so you got a nice edge presence, even if we have to wait for Vaughn. So you 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 talked earlier about Jordan Phillips getting that huge contract with Arizona. I feel like a lot of that huge contract and all those sacks, those nine and a half sacks he got that year, was because of Jerry Hughes and the pressure that he was able to bring from the outside, forcing quarterbacks to have to focus on where he was at. Say what you want about Jerry Hughes when he got older, he wasn't getting the sacks, and he was it was like almost sacked Jerry Hughes and all these pressures, but no sacks. But mm -hmm. I feel a lot of those sacks were predicated upon what Jerry Hughes was doing pressure from the outside. Then he went to Arizona and he didn't have that similar presence. Mm -hmm. Um but, but we have we have we have different expectations in my opinion of 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 Ed oliver and i like the comparison with jordan uh, jordan phillips and jerry hughes 
Uh, Jordan Phillips came on the Buffalo Bills team. He was a second round pick. He was kind of looked over. He was kind of, we, we, we kind of, he kind of fell on our laps and he had a, a chip on his shoulder because of that. And he had an edge. And so he had something to prove. And I think you're absolutely right with Jerry Hughes helping him out and possibly getting that next contract in Arizona. But with Ed Oliver, uh, defensive ends, Gregory Rousseau, Von Miller, should they and will they help? Yes, of course they will help. But at the same time, Ed Oliver is a top 10 pick. He was picked ninth overall. So when you're picked in those primary spots, you have the expe expectations of getting the stuff done on your own. Not it doesn't matter who's on on the edge because of of where you stand as a top ten pick. Now, right. in terms of a statistical standpoint, I'm not really sure what Ed Oliver's ceiling is. I don't know if he's a ten sack guy and fifty plus tackles and ten tackles for loss. But I know in terms of of what I expect to see from Ed Oliver, and what I expect to see from Ed Oliver is uh, a more consistent a consistent disruptance on that defensive line. He should be able to impact the game, run game and pass game throughout the course of the game. When we need a play made, you know when there's them big, big plays that have to be made and you can point to five plays in the game that makes the difference of a game with two very good teams. I expect Ed Oliver to be the guy to make one of those game-changing impact plays to make a difference for the Buffalo Bills on the defense. He's one of those guys I'm looking at. And uh, that's my expectation from Ed Oliver. And I think we're going to see and I think, uh, obviously, that's what the Buffalo Bills expect in this contract, getting an Ed Oliver. More consistent, disruptive play uh, that can be impactful in, in, in game, big game situations. I think, too, if, if, if we thought he was under a microscope before, he's going to be under a bigger microscope now because he's got that contract. So I, I think, like you said, he's got to show up every week. And now I understand players are going to have down games and there's going to be times when opposing offenses are going to scheme differently and there's going to be ways to somewhat take him out um, of the play. But like you said, consistency is key here, right? You're, one of your phrases is consistently consistent. Like, you know, there's a reason why players like Aaron Donald are superstars because every single week, and I'm not comparing Ed Oliver to Aaron Donald before the comment section goes crazy. Um, every single week, Aaron Donald, you knew what you were getting from him again. We have to, you know, temper the expectations here, but he's a first round pick. And yes, there's different expectations from first round picks. It's not, is it fair? No, but the bills made a sacrifice to get you. They sacrificed mm -hmm. their first round pick and Sean McDermott loved Ed Oliver. I think Brandon Bean loved Ed Oliver too. So my biggest thing when people talk about how they don't like the extension is, well, who would you rather have next year? Who's going to replace him? Do you have that person in mind? Because it's either signing a free agent that you're going to have to pay or you're going to have to draft and develop somebody else and you're starting that position all over again. So I think you know at least what you can expect from Ed Oliver. And I think, like you said, there's still some room to grow. And we have to, to hope that he takes another step um, to getting towards being a dominant defensive tackle. So, all right, guys, please smash the like button. That way this uh, gets some traction, gets some some movement on the algorithms. Please drop comments. Um, our guy Lance is producing the show, so he's going to pick the good ones um, that we think that it's, it's a 
point either we're not talking about or something we are talking about. He's going to put them up on the screen. Um, but yeah, please smash the like, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Um, it helps the brand and helps engagement for us. So if you mm-hmm. could. Um, so let's talk about James Cook or Jimmy. What are they? What does what Josh call him? Uh, uh, Jimbo. You call him Jimbo? Oh, Jimbo. That's right. Jimbo. I only, th- I only think of Jim Kelly when they say Jimbo for some reason mm-hmm. because everybody called him Jimbo. Um, he looks really good. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, and I, and I was a huge fan of the the pick in the draft last year. I love James Cook. Um, I mocked him to the Bills as much as I could possibly do it. Um, I know a lot of our guys in Built in Buffalo were a big fan of of the pick, and I think that he was underutilized um last year but i also think the bills were trying to figure out what was going to happen with devin singletary and trying to get him more looks and get him you know he was like steady eddie right like he you knew Mm -hmm. that what you can get you're going to get four yards from him Mm -hmm. um but james cook looks good like i i'm liking what i'm seeing in camp with getting him more involved um in the passing game i think we even have a video Um, of him one-on-one with Micah Hyde in the passing game. I mean, that was on all pro Micah Hyde. So, I mean, that, that was nice. Obviously it was a really good pass from Josh, but the hands were nice. I think seeing the bills in, in Ken Dorsey drawing up a lot of screens um, in training camp is is very promising. Obviously, we know that some of that game plan might have been devoted to Naheem Hines, who is obviously out for the season. So now you got to think the two main guys are going to be James Cook and Damian Harris, right? Um, you could probably sprinkle sprinkle in a little Latavius Murray, who, by the way, is a large man. I don't know mm-hmm. if you saw any of the footage from the red and blue scrimmage. He was the mm-hmm. biggest guy on the field when he was out. It's insane. I, I had no idea he was he was that. Yeah, he's huge. He's huge. He's yeah. he, he is a full mm-hmm. on unit. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what's your outlook? What are your expectations? What do you want to see out of James Cook coming up in this season? Uh, I want to see Ken Dorsey utilize uh, James Cook once again. Uh, we we could have named the show maximizing his talents. James Cook. Uh, I want to see his explosive uh, explosiveness on on display, right? Uh, James Cook is one of those athletes where he can score every time he touches the ball. And in my opinion, he is the definition of modern NFL football. And what I mean by James Cook being a definition of modern NFL football is it's, it's a pass-heavy league. And nowadays, we're, we're starting to transition over to those type of running backs that play the position but possess that receiving ability like uh alvin kamara has done and been successful with with the saints and like austin eckler has done with the la Chargers and being successful i think james cook is another guy that fits that role i think he is a great has a potential to be a great receiver from the running back position so i definitely expect an uh a, a uptick in workload from his rookie year uh he had 21 receptions as a receiver last year i i expect him to at least double that uh i, I want to see ken dorsey put 
James Cook in situations where he can be successful and be a mismatch nightmare to opposing defenses, uh, defensive backs and, and linebackers. Uh, so uh, I just think James Cook is a le legit weapon every time he's on the football field. And he's definitely somebody that Josh Allen should look to uh, in the short and intermediate passing game. So I got to put this up. Our guy Izzy says, I don't feel Cook will be RB1. I like him, but I'm not sure he can be that guy. All right, Izzy. Yeah. Cook, James Cook is RB1. I mean, I, I like Damian Harris in the addition of him, but what yes. I've seen from James Cook last year, the explosiveness, if you saw the play in the red and blue scrimmage last night, and I think that John just put it in the comments section as well. If you saw the video, the twitch in which he has is – something that we didn't see a ton of last year in space. You cannot tackle him. I'm sorry. In space, James cook is, is the real deal. And I like the breakaway speed option. I do like Damian Harris. And I feel like we have two backs finally that we can score from anywhere on the field. If we're handing the ball off, definitely anywhere inside the 50 ish midfield range. Um, where before I think Devin Singletary say what you want about him in space, but I think that he was, he was kind of limited in what he could do after he broke away from some tackles. He would get mm -hmm. you a nice 10, 15 yards. Um, mm -hmm. But we saw the big run that James Cook had against the Bears last year. Like, it was it was all him. You know, mm -hmm. it was just the speed. And I, I think the Bills should be wise to dial up, you know, some wheel routes, screen game, anything that can get him just touches, right? And I know that there's plenty of – um, there's plenty of skill position players and the bills are going to have to divide up where all of, uh, all the targets are going to go. But mm -hmm. I think you absolutely have to get him involved. Um, just because first off you have him on a rookie deal. Second mm -hmm. of all, there's not a lot of tread on those tires from last year. I think he only had 89 carries last year and 21 receptions. We, so we, we could, we could take it a step further. There's not a lot of tread of those tires, even in college playing yeah. in Georgia. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, put, put the wear and tear on the tires now, before mm -hmm. it's time to re-up his contract because we all see what's going on with, with running backs in the NFL right now. It's like mm -hmm. rookie contract, mm -hmm. draft a new guy. Rookie mm -hmm. contract, draft a new guy. It's a cycle. We've mm -hmm. seen the Bills. The Bills have done that, right? Devin yeah. Singletary. Yeah. Gone. They go, they're doing that. Deal, right? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting. Yep. I, I really I really think that um, he needs to be involved. And I hope that, you know, we talked about Ken Dorsey last week and you're – in full confidence that he's going to progress in his play calling abilities going into year two. And I think mm -hmm. you're right. I think that he needs to get James cook involved as well as all the other guys that, that we've already talked about, but um, so, it's going to be really interesting. Quick question. So you think Latavius Murray is a lock to make this team? He's a lock. I think if Naheem Hines was not injured, he was our return guy. And I think Latavius Murray was a practice squad guy. Yes. Okay. Because there's no more Taiwan Jones have to have a running back that's a gunner. There's, he's gone, right? right? So gone. we don't have that running running back. I think the Bills carry three. Yep. I honestly do. Me too. I like it. I think they I like carry it. three because it gives them multiple looks. And yep. I think having Latavius Murray, I don't care you talk about the age or whatever, having him as your third option at running back is a nice pretty one. damn good running back room issue to have. So mm -hmm. um, because you have Cook who's got the breakaway speed, you got Damian Harris who anything inside the 20, you just keep handing it to him. He's going to mm -hmm. punch it in. And then you got Latavius Murray that can do a little bit of both. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think it's going to be interesting to see how they, they dial those guys up. All right. So we're going to move on to 
the Buffalo Bills head coach, Sean McDermott, who he has been in the news a lot. I feel like it's been a really busy off season for Sean McDermott. Not in a bad way. Like you saw where he got, he had, uh, he got stuck at the airport and he drove with that fan. Mm-hmm. Did you see mm-hmm. that story? I heard and about it. I, I, read about it but I heard about it. That was pretty cool. He's making his way out in the community. I've seen him do a lot of, a lot of appearances out in the community. So good for him. He's becoming, he's becoming a celebrity and rightfully so he's been, you know, the longest tenured coach that we've had since Marv Levy. So he's going into his seventh year. Um, so we had Kyer Elam on the Buffalo Blitz right here live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We had him mm-hmm. here with, with Peter and Lance, right? Mm-hmm. And he talked, he brought it up. He said, we're going to be aggressive. So what does that term aggressive actually mean when we're talking about Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills defense? What does that mean to you? So we have to I we we have to look at what the Buffalo's Bills has been over the last five seasons under Leslie Frazier. And Leslie Frazier, in my opinion, has done a, a a tremendous job as defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. And I do hope he does get a coaching opportunity next year, uh uh in the 2024 season. But uh the main differences I believe is is obviously aggressiveness. With Leslie Frazier defense, he played that zone cover three defense and he blitzed some, but not much. And it was more reactive, right? It was more reactive. I felt, especially in the Cincinnati game, I felt that the offense was able to dictate exactly what they wanted to do. And the Buffalo Bills defense was sitting on their heels trying to react to what was going on with the offense. And I think this year with the Buffalo Bills defense, they want to be the team that's attacking, attacking. They want to be the team that is showing their aggressiveness and their will and dictating the moment. So I think we're going to see uh, a lot more press man from the Buffalo Bills. And sometimes with press man, it may become uh, some more blitzes and more blitz schemes and more blitz packages in there. We, we talked, we've seen uh, Josh Allen get nicked up, right? We've seen Josh Allen get nicked up several times, uh, ankle and Teron Johnson, I believe, got there on a blitz. Uh, so I do think Sean McDermott is going to be aggressive and send different guys, safeties, corners, uh, use Taylor Rapp as a rover and maybe send him on some blitz on some blitz stunts. Uh, I just see an all around more aggressive mentality and nature from Sean McDermott in that Buffalo Bills defense. Do you see I, I can see do you see a bigger role for Taron Johnson in the defense? More looks what they're going to do moving him around. What do you think? I'll uh, break down bigger role because he doesn't come out off the field as it is. Yeah, you know, uh, playing that playing that nickel defense. I just so mean, does he, play a small, does he play a smaller role with the Buffalo Bills not having him uh, that middle linebacker that that middle linebacker, so to speak? I don't know. He's he's too good to take off the field. I I feel like if you want someone one on one with your tight end, I think that's Taron Johnson. I don't know mm-hmm. if the Bills have that linebacker besides Matt Milano, who's fairly good in coverage. If you want to take Taron John, he just makes plays. He doesn't always stand out as a guy who you feel like he's just going to jump off the film, right? He's just, but he always makes plays. Go back to the Kansas City game last year, like that interception. 
he he completely fooled Mahomes and disguised where he was going to be and made that interception. I mean, and there's plays, you know, I, I don't know. He's I feel like he's just so underrated in, in what the Bills choose to do with him. I, I don't know. You call it the big nickel, whatever you want to call him, an extra linebacker, whatever. I, I don't know. It's the, the thing with Taylor Rapp is, is very intriguing, seeing how they're going to blend all of this coverage together because – you can get burned a lot too if you're playing more press man. Don't mm-hmm. don't get it twisted. And, of course, and of course, I know I know that possibly. You better get there. Bean, Bean and McDermott are looking back and saying, "Well, we got Poyer and Hyde back here." But guess what? Poyer's good and Hyde's good and all, but Hyde just missed 15 games in the playoffs with a neck mm-hmm. injury, and Poyer was dinged up all season long. Poyer says he's 100 percent healthy, but. He had a lung injury. His elbow looked like he had a balloon attached to it at one point. Like mm-hmm. he, he was dinged up all season too. So maybe that's why they brought insurance policy in and Taylor Rapp to, to also help disguise coverage and things like that. So the aggressive yeah, thing, everybody wants to go back to the 2015, 2016 Carolina Panthers with Sean McDermott when, when they made the Super Bowl in that 2000, was that that was 2015, right? So, so 15, yep. Cam had Cam, that was Cam's MVP season, right? I think they were 15 and one, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the wins that they had was by the defense. They, they, the defense played lights out. But what did Sean McDermott have in the middle of his field? He had Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis. Those guys were probably the best linebacking duo of that time. And he had an outstanding pass rush. So mm-hmm. what do we have in Buffalo? We have, when we get Vaughn back, I think with, with the addition of Leonard Floyd and Rousseau and that we have a really good defensive line slash pass rush. What do we have in the middle besides Matt Milano that can make me feel comfortable about being aggressive? Do you know what I'm saying? Like they had to have known that they were going to lose Tremaine Edmonds, but they, they didn't sign anyone. They didn't spend a couple mil on Bobby Wagner or any of these other guys that were signed for these really cheap one-year deals. They decided to go with who they already had in house. And then they drafted Dorian Williams. Again, another linebacker third round two years in a row. So that's the only part that confuses me. What are we doing with the linebacking position? What's what's your take on that? Did, did Sean McDermott say, hey, my my philosophy can match this position? Is, is he saying that? Possibly. It, 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 it's, it's definitely possible. Uh, it, it remains to be seen. This is why uh, I, I consider myself a knowledgeable football fan, but I, I'm not sure what the uh, – the idea is behind this the the whole middle linebacker situation. Are they going to go? Are they going to go three or more uh, traditional three uh, down linebacker looks to help defend uh, the run better? Uh, are you going to keep Teron Johnson on the field? What what is what is the plan? Are you going to play? Are you going to try to play more wide nine or what? What what is the plan here? And all that, in my opinion, remains to be seen. We don't know what's going to. What's going to make of this run defense? What's going to make of the middle linebacker position and and how it's being played and 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 uh, the type of packages they set up to be successful until week one against the New York Jets? So I'm I'm going to put my trust and faith in Sean McDermott thus far that he indeed knows exactly what he's doing. I didn't want Josh Allen in 2018. I wanted Josh Rosen and Sean McDermott, <laughs> and Brandon Bean picked Josh Allen, and they was right. 
So hopefully they're going to be right with the middle linebacker situation this time around this year because we need them to be. You remember who my guy was in that draft? That's when we first started doing this. My guy was Baker Mayfield. Like, I was yep. in love with Baker Mayfield. So, I mean, there's that. You know, we put that yeah, out there. That out, my, yeah. my thing is, I went back and watched some 2015-2016 McDermott defense in Carolina. Even I went back and watched him when he was with Philadelphia. And he was aggressive. There was a lot of looks pre-snap that you can tell opposing offenses were extremely uncomfortable not knowing where the pressure was coming, what the safeties were doing, what the middle linebacker or what the linebacking core was going to do, what the corners were, were they going to press or are they going to drop back in zone? Like, so I'm hoping that we're going to see more of that. But my, my, here's my thing. Mm-hmm. He's the head coach, right? You always talk about do what got you hired, right? Mm-hmm. Leslie mm-hmm. Frazier was his coordinator, which means he answers to Sean McDermott. So during the last six years together, why didn't they have a conversation about being aggressive? Why does it seem like now it took the Bills to lose the way they did to say, okay, now we're going to be aggressive? Like, we should have been aggressive after the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. We should have chose, now we're going to be aggressive. Because 13 seconds doesn't happen if we're aggressive. Absolutely doesn't happen. If the Bills just play press coverage, make them make a, a player miss, make them make force a missed tackle. Don't give them the boundaries. <laughs> don't, don't, what, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. So I guess I it think, all, we got to see what happens. We got to see what aggressive actually means. So, and, and the, the personnel that the bills have, I feel like minus the middle linebacker position, I, th- I feel like they do have enough to mask that for now, because you have one of the best, one of the best linebackers in the game in Matt Milano. So you do have that going for you. So, all right, let's move on to the last topic. Um, And we could probably talk for hours on on this person. That's Josh Allen. Um, I know for a fact that you wanted to spend some time on Josh Allen, um, especially with, you know, training camp here and what's, what's been reported in training camp. So first off, what do you make of, training camp turnovers and interceptions. Is this something we should be concerned about or is this practice against his own guys? It's not, you know, too much scripting going on. He's forcing throw. Like what, what do you make of this stuff? I'm I, so <clears throat> on a general aspect, when I answer this question, it's just practice. It's We're just practice, pra- man. Practice. I, no, practice. It's, I, it's just practice. But when I think about it more and I dig a little deeper. I have, I, I do have some concerns. I do have some turnover concerns with Josh Allen because coming into this season, Josh Allen spoke about making less mistakes. He understand that he does make some mistakes and he wants to keep that turn, keep his turnovers down. So coming into this off season, coming into this season, I think he made that a focus of his to keep that down. And thus far, he hasn't been able to do so. And yes, it's only practice, but in the game is why I'm concerned with practice. Last year, Josh Allen was tied for second in the NFL with 14 interceptions. Uh, Josh Allen has 
52 career fumbles in the NFL. So uh, there are reports coming out. Is Josh Allen more? Is he that? Is he a running quarterback? Can he sustain success as a drop back passer? Can he last as a Buffalo Bills quarterback if the Buffalo Bills don't protect them and or if he runs as much as he does? And I think all these things play a factor in terms of what Josh Allen can do when it's time to protect the football. So, yes, I do have some concerns, and I hope that it can be uh, rectified as camp and as the season goes along. My my thing with this is 2020 Josh was dialed in, right? Regular season 2020 Josh. <clears throat> I don't have it. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure 2020 Josh was his least amount of turnovers, if not interceptions. I know that for a fact, right? That was his highest QBR, I believe, his highest completion percentage. He was almost damn near at 70% completion percentage. I don't, again, I just from looking over at this for the last three years, sporadically here and there, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, what changed in 2022 to where he had, he was forcing these passes like the green Bay game, for example, the bills were up big. Then he, the, the, the one interception, I was like, you're in, you're, you're driving into the red zone. It, you threw it right to the green Bay defender. Like it didn't even look like you made a mistake and read the route wrong. Like you literally, it looked like you were throwing it to him. And there was other times. So it's got an interception as well. Yep. Yeah. And the Vikings game too. Right. That was read perfectly. Read perfectly. Was that Patrick Peterson? I believe that was Patrick Peterson, right? I think so. Yep. Yep. And you could, after he threw it, he put his hands on his helmet. Like, mm-hmm. it's like at that point, dude, you can't, you, you gotta, I don't, I don't understand where the, the, the breakdown is from, because we know how smart Josh is. I think he scored like a, a 38 or 41 mm-hmm. on the wonder. Like he scored really high on the wonder. Like he scored mm-hmm. extremely high on the wonder. Like, so we know, we know how smart he is. We know the arm talent's there. We know the leg talent's there. We know he can fit the ball into a spot where when he needs to. So that's the only thing that concerns me is that there's been certain times when it just looks like he makes, and I don't want to call him a bonehead play because I hate that term, but because he makes plays that we look at it and we go, nobody else can make that play. Not Patrick Mahomes, not Aaron Rodgers, not Tom Brady. We look at the passes and we're like, God, how do you fit that in there on the run, on one foot, leaping, doing whatever? And then there's plays when he just makes a boneheaded pass. So Mm -hmm. I don't take too much stock in the training camp stuff um, because I feel like there's more and more people reporting more and more things as social media grows. And I feel like next year – there'll be more people reporting every single snap from practice the year after there'll be more people. And I feel like that's just what's being reported is, mm-hmm. you know, maybe last year it wasn't reported as much or the year before. And I'm hoping that's what it is. And I feel like in my heart of hearts, I feel like that's what it is. I, I have the confidence in, in, in Josh Allen to, you know, lead this team just like he did last year in the year before in the year before, um, you know, if we get to week six and he's leading the league in interceptions, maybe we re- revisit the conversation and say, okay, what the hell is going on? Um, because the talent for the Bills will not get any easier that they're facing every single week, every single season going forward. It's just the way that it is. The Bills are going to be having a tough schedule put in front of them every single year. So 
How much how much can Ken Dorsey help with this? Is this something where Ken Dorsey call is- a screen pass? <laughs> call a screen pass. When it's third and seven, put put Stefan Diggs and call a slant route. Because when they ran it last year, it friggin' worked. You can't guard him an inside 10 yards. You just can't. Stop dialing up 35-yard passing plays for Gabe Davis. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, seg- I just segued there like for you. I, like I know it. you want to like talk about Gabe. So I like it. I like I, it. I like it a lot. Uh, Gabe Davis? Yeah. yeah let's, talk about him. let's talk about him. We, we did, I thought we were going to run out of time, but we could, we could talk about Gabe. Yeah, Gabe Davis, I think he's having a, a tremendous camp thus far. You know, Gabe Davis, he's entering his his contract year. Uh, he's been on a podcast. I forgot the name of the podcast, but it was a, it was definitely an excellent listen. And he's at a point now where uh, I believe he's he's ready to take the next step uh, as a, a, a more all around receiver. First three years, Gabe Davis uh, last year, excuse me, 17.4 yards per reception. That was second in the NFL behind, I believe, only Jalen Waddle at 18.1. Uh, he's been in the top 10 every year in yards per reception. So we know that Gabe Davis is known to have that deceptive speed and stretching the field and, and making those those long catches. But I think this year is the year where he's out to prove that he can run more routes in the route tree besides uh, the, slim, the seam routes or the goal routes or fly routes. I believe he's out to uh, to prove that he is uh, a complete receiver that is capable of running every route in the route tree if the Buffalo Bills offensive staff called that route for him. So uh, I really like what I've been seeing from Gabriel Davis thus far in camp, and I'm hoping he can stay healthy so we can see the the best version of Gabriel Davis this season. I wanted to get your thoughts on on Gabe Davis and 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 what do you see in terms of future for Gabe Davis is, is this a guy that you envision that is in his last season with the Buffalo bills and you don't see them resigning him? Or is this a, a Ed Oliver situation at, at receiver for Gabe Davis? I absolutely think the bills are going to extend Gabe Davis. It'll probably happen before the season starts, especially with the camp he's having. Um, I feel like you have to kind of look at last year. He still had over 800 yards last year, right? I mean, if, if, mm-hmm. if, the math is right. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty damn good as a wide receiver too on just about every team in the NFL. Um, now you can't have a Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, you know Jamar Chase and T Higgins. You, you can't have that on every single team. So those are those are few and far between. And if he can just eliminate some of the drops, because he's a human, he's going to drop the ball, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Dalton Kincaid even had a drop in practice yesterday. It happens, mm-hmm. right? So it happens to the best of us. But I think that if he can limit the mistakes and he's in a contract year, which we know players always perform extremely well unless he gets extended beforehand, um, I, I feel like he could go over a 1,000 yards depending on what the Bills plan to do with all the other weapons they have. I, I feel like we constantly get down on Gabe because he had some he had some key drops. I mean, let's I'm not going to sugarcoat stuff. The Jets game was was hard to watch because mm-hmm. a guy with a torn UCL just threw a ball 70 yards, gave you everything he had, and it hit mm-hmm. you right in the numbers and you dropped it. Um, stuff like that, I, I feel like it's going to follow Gabe Davis until he proves that he's not doing that because we remember toe drag, 
toe drag swag, Mr. Perimeter. You know, that game against the Colts, the playoff game against the Colts, I think he had three receptions that he was toe-tapping the sideline. Um, The four-touchdown game against the Chiefs in the playoffs. So we know he's capable of big games in big moments, and he can rise to the occasion. We just, I think, need to see it more consistently. And I Mm -hmm. think we will. I think he's had a great camp. He had that nice one-handed catch over Dane Jackson in practice. Um, We don't typically see stuff like that. On top of the fact that he's out in front, I think, of all this. And like you said last week, he hears all of this and he Mm -hmm. knows that it's make or break time. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. He knows that it's his time to shine. So he's got, you know, the endorsement from Stefan Diggs. So I think he just needs to get out there. I think some of this might be in his head a little bit with the drops. You know, I haven't seen him doing the weird, you know, thing with the catching stance. Alligator. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen the alligator. Um, So I'm hoping for the best. And I I think that, I think that we'll have a good season from Gabe Davis all in all. I concur. I concur. Stay healthy. Stay healthy. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up, man. Um, it's been about it's been an hour twenty minutes. So twenty three. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate everybody um, watching the show. I know Akeem appreciates everybody watching the show, staying with us. If you've been here for the whole show, I know we had a few people that stayed for the whole show. Again, we are going to grow this thing basically again from the ground up. Um, we've been gone for some time, but we're back. We're going to be here every Saturday night, nine o'clock. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Thank you again for following. Akeem, take us out, man. A Rich, Akeem Richens, David Myers. This is Bills in Buffalo. You are in tune to Billsology, only on the Bills in Buffalo network. Once again, we appreciate everybody for tuning in tonight. Uh, it's a long season. It's a long season, and we're going to be here every week for the duration of the season. So for everybody uh, tuning in, stay tuned, and we'll be back same time next week. Go Bills. Go Bills. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced. From the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support, the new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL.